0: Hey, welcome everyone to Flyover Footy and a playoff edition of Flyover Forecast. My name's Jake. Bill unfortunately can't be with us tonight as we're recording, but I'm going to go right to Matt Baker, who's on my right. How are you doing, man?
1: Absolutely fantastic. It's a playoff edition of Flyover Footy. How, how likely do we think that was going to happen? I mean, <laughs> playoff soccer in St. Louis, a completely foreign concept uh, in all of our lifetimes, just about. The last time it happened, I think we figured out was um, Atletica. 2009. 2009. So we're talking 13 years since any form of playoff soccer has been in St. Louis. You know, St. Louis FC was there in the playoffs a couple times, never hosted a match. So to be able to come off a week where we just witnessed a playoff victory heading into a conference championship, cloud nine right here. I mean,
0: it's, we're in the perfect storm right now. And this is something I, I didn't, I never contemplated. Like we always talk, just being in St. Louis sports, we always talked about uh, if you get the cards and the blues playing at the same time, it's such a great feeling. Woke up this morning is like in the fifties, sixties all day. The cards are ahead of the playoffs. Blues have a, a pre home preseason game. They start soon and you throw in soccer in St. Louis city. It's like, you can't ask for anything more it's fantastic uh, Santiago is also hanging out with us how's it going man
2: doing great doing great uh, I am in LA this week so joining you guys from the hotel and from different times but feeling great uh, as Matt was saying uh, historic win uh, something it's like a foreign concept to us like uh, we have not experienced a playoff win. So that's something new for us. And hopefully we'll get another win this weekend.
0: We're all on video call right now, but this is going to be out as a podcast. And even though we can't see Stu's face on our video stream, you can see Stu's face everywhere if you go to stlouismagazine.com or St. Louis Mag on all their socials, because he is the new face of St. Louis soccer and St. St. Louis Magazine. Yeah. How are you doing, Stu?
3: I'm <laughs> uh, doing well. It was actually back uh, to back weeks now that uh, I was on the city app the week before so, moving to the world yes. uh, I am fantastic absolutely fantastic just another component soccer and uh, I, I'm i being surprisingly optimistic and feeling optimistic and I am the biggest Toronto fan in the country right now because I think we're going to beat uh, Tacoma and I would really 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 love to host the final but I know there's a bunch of uh, Columbus Crew 2 fans who are may not exist who would not be happy to hear me discounting them.
0: Of course, we're coming off our, our North Texas win. And Santiago, I don't want to stop. I want to start with you. I almost said stop. It would be a terrible time to stop. I think positive Stew is throwing me off. Like, do we cut it here? <laughs> <laughs> while, while Stew's positive, do we end on a high with positive it's Stew? It's weird. I'll say that. Uh, but Santiago, I want to talk. Uh, or ask you first, because this has been brought up a lot. I know you tweeted about it. You talked about it last week, but facing North Texas, coming off that loss, and just Hackworth's comments about uh, the, the, the previous North Texas games. Do you want to dive into that a little more? Especially now, coming off this win.
2: Sure. So going into last weekend's game against North Texas, um, I was a little concerned, I think a lot of people were, because St. Louis had just lost to uh, North Texas two weeks um, before last week's game. And um, obviously, things went this way and St. Louis uh, found the goals, uh, found uh, some good number nines uh, that made things work. And um, I went back. Uh, I remember asking Hackard before that, north texas game uh, on september 11 I remember asking him like hey you may face um, north texas again in the playoffs in a couple of weeks so with the with that possible game being so close will you do anything different and he was like well we we need to win this game so so yeah we'll we'll put a lineup out there that uh, we'll get that result, and and yeah, we're going for the result. But he at the end he said, well, but at the end he said, but if we get to play them again in a couple of weeks, yeah, it would probably be something different. And there you go. Last week it was something different. You you played, uh, started with Austria at number nine, and then Dida came in the second half, and that's something um, North Texas didn't get to see two weeks ago uh, or now almost three weeks ago, they got to see a little bit with with Dida and Caden uh, Glover coming in in the second half of that September 11 game, but but just a little bit, and the game was almost out of hand already, so I think it was a little different, so, so uh, it was great uh, the way uh, he uh, basically planned this game and didn't show much uh, on the previous game, so Hats off to him because um, he and like he played his cards really well and uh, took advantage of the fact that um, Dolling and um, and the clouds weren't available and and it still had a solution for that number nine and good thing is that Dolling will be back at uh, the next game.
1: I got a sense that we almost. Took, and I, I'm really thankful that we played North Texas so close to the end of the season, all things considered. Uh, having lost to them 3-1 to one, turns out to me to be a blessing in disguise at this point. Seeing what they had to offer, seeing a lot of their their looks and the way that they passed the ball and the, the crosses deep, making sure that in this match, it seemed from, from the eye test when we were there and then also looking back at the stats and seeing where the players uh, averaged to line up in in their passing attack and their passing formations, we did seem to keep Hebert and Yarrow a little deeper uh, in our own zone than we usually do uh, overall. So I think that was a direct response to, and also Ben DeRosa uh, averaged uh, position in our defensive end. I think all those things took into consideration how North Texas got their goals against us uh, in the the second match they faced us on uh, September 11th and made sure that they, if they were going to beat us, they weren't going to beat us that way. And it turns out that that was their way to beat us. They didn't seem to have any other way. So blessing in disguise for that match at the end of the season, all things considered. Very, very thankful that we were able to use that as uh, a course correction, learning opportunity. Um, not sure we're gonna have the same luxury with Tacoma, but we are gonna, like you said, have the luxury of a returning Josh Dolling.
0: Stu, go to you. Um, your thoughts on seeing the lineup? I know is uh, a lot different than what we've seen, but obviously Hack had that planned, and we got that little uh, subtle hint, and clue that something might change. So, Stu, what are your thoughts when uh, seeing this lineup going in this game?
3: With with our and class, I mean, I knew things were going to be a little different, a little creative, and seeing uh, and both struck out there. Was exciting. I mean, you, you, you want to see those those who are going to contribute this year kind of growing and playing each other this year if possible. If it's foster wins this season, because of course we all won this year, but at the same time, if if you can up that chemistry for next season, that's fantastic. I mean, I. I why he did it I'm still a little nervous about Watt as I feel like he's best suited in the field but I thought our midfields performed well for me the most exciting thing was just seeing the chemistry that was obviously building between Jensen and Ostrak over the course of of the match you could see them playing each other uh, seeing the runs happen. Um, and that that was really to watch, especially this close, when we won't be quite this close next year, to see those two players work off each other. Um, so it, it was creative. It was different, which, you know, you have to do when you have no number nine. And we won, which is obviously, the you know, the acid test. So thrilled by it to be honest, in hindsight, especially <laughs> honestly,
1: one of the interesting things that you just mentioned about Akil Watts on the left side and that left back role thought the same thing when you first saw the lineup. And I think anytime he's in that left back role, it's almost your first instinct is, well, he's playing a little out of his typical position, despite the fact that we've heard that he projects to be uh, a wingback or a fullback in MLS. You know, we, we all read that article in post dispatch um, in this league, I think his best position is as a defensive mid pushing up and almost as a double pivot with, with Max Schneider. So I took this lineup against North Texas as the reason he's playing left back is we saw a need Hackworth saw a need to slot AJ Palazzolo in the game. And, and AJ was the reason to me that Akiel played left back and you, you almost can, can see the hierarchy now that the season's over. You really see it breaking down into the most valuable players at at its core need to be on the field and it's almost their positioning is second to their, their physical presence on the field. Akil Watts ended the season uh, tied for second in MLS next pro in overall starts with 24. He's that important to this team at this point. So if you need to have AJ on the field, AJ's position is that defensive midfield for this team. That's where he's played whenever he's been in the lineup all season long. So that's where he's going to slide in. Akil has a lot more versatility, and so you really see the hierarchy of Akiel needs to stay on the field his next strongest position is going to be left back and so with Ezra Armstrong and Kwame Wu on the bench who can both play and both do play left back it's very obvious that it's not just Akiel playing the best left back it's Akiel is the best player on this team that needs to be on the field and that's the position that's available to him so i i thought I thought he did pretty well and I'm staring, I'm staring at the, the passing network on MLSNextPro.com. So one thing that if you listen to Phil's interview with Charles Altcheck, um, I think president of MLS next pro uh, if you haven't listened to it, it's on the flyover footy feed. But one of the things that Phil praised him for were the stats uh, we heard, we've heard Hackworth and Lutz mention that MLS Next pro, pro provides them with a pretty fantastic stats package on Mondays after after match weekends. And I feel that as fans, we get that opportunity to, opportunity to have some insight on these uh, these match day recaps. So all that said, the passing breakdown in, in, in this match lends it, lends credence to the fact that we did have a more, I don't want to call it reserved presence by our defenders, but we definitely erred towards our, our keeper a little bit more from our, our two center backs. But the really interesting thing on the forward presence and that attacking midfield that Stu picked up on is the, the way that Ostrak and Jensen and Diaz and Watts really all had some very tight passing formations and they really played off of each other extremely well. Um, Celio to me, also had an amazing role out on the wing, and that's where his his strength is. So if you look at this passing network uh, on our recap, Celio is almost out on an island over there on the right-hand side, which is another point of I thought Celio's strongest position is the left. We've been playing him on the right because of the needs of other players to slide in, I think. It made complete sense to have these overlapping runs that Akil and Ostrak to Diaz and Jensen were creating and then you had Celio as the playmaker out wide. So that the way that that formation broke down um, so far out wide and then so tightly connected between Watts, Ostrock, Diaz and Jensen was a, a very key to us having all the chances that we had, but also at the end of the day led directly to that type of a goal that we ended up scoring with Celio crossing it over, uh, passing through. I think it was Diaz over to Ostrak for that for that goal.
2: So, another thing um, I noticed, uh, and speaking of, of Celio, he, um, besides being uh, on the right wing, he on, on when, when C 2 was attacking, he also had a job. Uh, I noticed he was like going up and down and helping defense at times, and uh, I had a chance to ask him after the game. I was like, okay, so what were your instructions like on the defensive side since you were running up and down so much and he mentioned that uh, basically he was in charge of marking Isaiah Parker when he was uh, coming on the attack and he did that pretty well so uh, beautifully yeah. That, that's something that was very interesting to me so um, great plan from from Aqua and, and his team well that is something that hopefully will come in
1: very handy against Tacoma as they have a couple guys who could definitely use some man marking
0: yeah. Is there, um, if anyone wants to jump in, I mean, any other thing specifically from this game, uh, that you want to look into or dive into before we start previewing Tacoma, which we have this coming Sunday, I was, uh, although we were, I felt like, I mean, we didn't have the, as much possess, 44.7% possession. So we were down on that, which is kind of our style, but I still feel like we controlled the game, 14 shots, seven on, on goal. And although we were playing well and it was, looking good once we started getting later in the game if i jump ahead to the second half we already talked about the goal but i was like i was just getting panicky and nervy because i didn't want another Kansas city situation even though we weren't even up 1-0 but i just didn't want something bad happening late i was getting a little nervy at the end but we didn't we got the goal we move on we got a second goal um i mean anything else on this game you guys want to touch on
2: definitely one of those that you feel like okay this game is Getting sold after the 65th, 70th minute and having a scored, and you start thinking, okay, is this going to be one of those that maybe is going to get away? But um, the team keep, kept pushing and uh, creating options, and in the end, uh, scored that goal and was able to, to close it out towards the end with that second goal. So, moving on and playing for the conference championship.
1: And honestly, I was pretty impressed with uh, Isaac Jensen. I thought that I, I'm pretty sure he played up top, and I'm I'm very impressed with his performance and just the way he was able to kind of command the field there. Um, it was a similar, not, not really a false nine, but he didn't play too far in front of our attacking midfielders. Um, and then when he, when he ended up subbing out for Dita Armstrong, which was just like eight minutes before the goal was scored, I didn't feel like our offense really shifted too much. I think Dita had a physical presence to him. He was uh, obviously fresh legs, but our overall style of play didn't change too much. And sometimes, especially with without doling Dull- without, without Klaus, our offense has shifted quite a bit. Uh, not just in formation, but in uh, comfortability and the way that we attack in that uh, that final attacking third depending on who's on the field and what, where they are on the field. But when Dita subbed in, I really didn't feel like we missed anything. And I don't really even think that the goal was attributable to a change in presence up front. I just think that, uh, we eventually wore them down, uh, that the same type of pass that we had been getting off from saleo so often led to a goal where we just threw numbers at them and that attacking third. And it was the perfect, uh, there was a perfect not acceptance of a pass, whether it was Diaz or, or Dita in that position. Uh, the, the fact that they had just let the ball go past them through the box to Ostrac to strike at home. I think that it wasn't a, wasn't anything against how we had been playing up until that point. I just think we stuck to our guns long enough and something finally broke.
2: Yeah, Dida and Jensen. Which, by the way, when I when I say Ostrak at the beginning, I meant Jensen. Uh, but Jensen and uh, Dida did a great job in that number nine role, and um, it's good that the team was able to to figure out uh, that role and score goals. And the good thing is we get Dolling back, so it'll be interesting to see what the team um, has planned for for Sunday.
0: This is a perfect segue. Transitioning into uh, Tacoma. Uh, Stu Dolan coming back. Do you think he, I mean, it's not like he was injured or anything. He was out with a uh, card. I was like, oh, is, do we ease him back in? No, he'll probably jump right in the lineup. But, Stu, uh, thoughts on how uh, the rest of the lineup might play out or stylistically what we might see in this game against Tacoma? Uh,
3: I think maybe you, you don't want to see Leo because he's played so well. Uh, I think Jensen's played really well too. Ostrak is integral. I, I think Diaz might be the the one who's gonna fall out uh, and start on the bench for next match. We start doling up top, Jensen and Celio on the wing will strike, attacking and feeding the ball to Doling. I think that's attacking wise how we're gonna play things. Um I I haven't seen how physically large Tacoma's team is I, I don't remember Home game But Do they have a large Sacks Do you guys remember Because Doling's physical Presence is certainly A huge advantage That he can
1: I remember them Being fast on the wings I don't Necessarily know How physical Their center backs Had been It's not something That stuck out In my brain at least yeah. I think they're They're a team to me That just wears you down So I I think their Their Passing Is So Incredibly good uh, In this league um, their goals go. I mean, you don't even have to say about their goals. They're second in the league to crew two in goals, but just the like they're all of these passing categories for Tacoma are so impressive. And when you bump them up to city two, it seems like that's where we could get in trouble a little bit is just the way that they move the ball. Um, you know, they're, they're third in the league in number of forward passes, they're second in the league in number of back passes. So it's not like they move the ball up like we do. They, they possess the ball quite a bit. Um, you know, they, it's an interesting stylistic matchup because of our press in how, how quick they seem to move the ball around and get it back and forth they do from the highlights i've seen a little bit and from the matches we played against them play a lot more horizontally than we do so they're they they bide their time you know they they make sure that they're making smart passes and they move the ball up when they need to move the ball up and they do it quickly they also are you know top near top of the league in overall shots so yeah they're they're Well, they're they're actually near last in the league in overall shots, but they make their shots count. So when they get the ball up, you know, they're 18th in the league in overall shots. They're 16th in shots on target, but they're 7th in shot percentage. So they're not necessarily going to be like City 2, where they try to move the ball up the field as quick as possible, get off shot after shot after shot, and they have a low overall shot percentage, because City 2 is 17th in the league in shot percentage. So they're, they're a very much uh, possession heavy team to the point where they, you know, they have well over 50% possession. Um, you know, we, we are used to city Two having well under 50%. I think it, it, it's a true test of our pressing style against their more possession, more passing oriented style to see who, if they can wear us down and if we can disrupt their passing network that's that's to me what it's going to come down to
2: just a, a little bit to add to what matt was saying um since they are so good in possession they are also one of the best teams in terms of goals allowed they have only allowed 25 goals um they, they allow 25 goals in the regular season which uh was third in the league so uh they score a lot of goals don't allow a lot of goals and matt was also talking about um they're being effective with their shots and, and you can't you can just go back to when we played them in july 30th they had eight shots on goal and uh score five goals so they are you can see it there they are very effective with with their with the opportunities they create so um so yeah it'll be interesting to to see how city um can um create a plan to to um, To defend against that and and to get the result. That uh, one thing I wanted to to mention um, is that um, in thinking about their form, they have only um, won three of their last seven game. Seven games included the playoff game. Um, out of those seven, they won three, lost three, tied the one against Houston. That they they were very close to. To losing, uh, but found that gold um, towards the end and ended up winning in PKs. And in that seven-game span, they only had seven goals scored and seven goals allowed. So, although overall during the season they scored a lot of goals and um, didn't allow too many, like towards the end of the season, um, it was it wasn't as the difference wasn't as big as it was uh, when you look at their overall regular season and, and the other thing um, the other thing looking at who played against St. Louis and who played against Houston against Houston, um, like they have been uh, like having different lineups uh, and um, some of the guys who played against St. Louis in previous games um, then played against Houston and have been playing uh, with Sounders either on the bench or uh, like some of them started last night so It'd be interesting to see what lineup they bring.
1: Yeah, and honestly, there's there's really only two players in their lineup that worry me. Um and and they're the same players who worried us last time, Alfonso Ocampo Chavez and Marlon Vargas. You know, the the top two goal scorers for their team. So, Ocampo Chavez is a forward. He's wears number 87. He's on their MLS roster. He's 20 years old. Second in their team in goals with 9. He's got four assists on the year. Leads their team in shots and shots on target. So he's one of those guys who they're going to play the ball through to a lot. And he is one of the reasons that the, the defiance are second in the league in goals inside the box. So they have 50 overall goals this year inside the 18 second in the league. He's a huge re- reason why uh, Marlon Vargas is their other kind of top player and maybe even the top player on their team to watch for number 39 midfielder, 21 years old. He was named to the MLS next pro best 11. So Kyle Hebert from City Two made the made that roster. Vargas is the representative for the Tacoma Defiance. He has 13 goals in MLS Next Pro, six assists. Both lead the team. He's second in shots, second in shots on target. So if we can shut these two players down, and to to your point earlier, Santi, Celio um, as a man marker, or if we have one of our defensive mids or somebody depending on if he likes to, if, he, if he's weaving in and out, you know, making sure that you have Vargas covered, if we can shut him down, it probably all falls apart. I think too, one of the other, the the other person to keep an eye on is uh, their keeper. And if I had to guess it would be Wallace Lapsley who has started their last seven matches. He's only started a total of 10 for them this year, but they really had a shift around the July timeframe um, where he, he picked it up. He's had three clean sheets, in those seven matches that he started to end the year. But in each of his last two matches, including that against Houston Dynamo dose, he's allowed two goals. So his run of form is a little suspect. I think there's an opportunity to continue that for city too. Um, And if we can get to, if we can honestly get to that two goal marker, it bodes well for what the defiances form has been in away matches so just looking back at their schedule, the last time they were away and scored two goals was August 5th against earthquakes. Two. Um, the last time they scored more than two was July 22nd against SKC two, where they scored three. Uh you know, so they, they are. And, and overall this season, they do not have a great away record. It's still a winning record, but that's where they've been weakest. And I think that provides a good opportunity. I think the, the, the travel definitely seems to affect them a little more. Uh, so I mean, we, we do have a lot of opportunity. Uh, and I fully see City 2 playing to our own winning style, our own comfortability, as opposed to trying to match what the Defiance do. That's just not in Lutz or Hackworth's MO to see how another team plays and try to defend against them as opposed to playing our own style. What I do like is I like hearing things such as man marking a known, uh, offensive threat when that isn't always part of their style definitely speaks to adaptability and knowing that there's something that the, the other team can hurt you with. And if you shut that person down or shut that style down, then your style will play through and open up. So all those things together, if we can shut down Vargas and Ocampo Chavez, Maybe with man marking, maybe some other way, and we can keep our press to disrupt uh, everything else. It bodes well.
0: Yeah, and uh, for just a quick refresher on our previous games with them, uh, second game of the season uh, was a four-three win at Herman Stadium, which was the uh, we went up by a few and they started creeping back towards the end, and, and luckily the clock ran down because I was getting a little little dicey towards the end. Uh, again, second game, so that's uh, I mean. Early for for both teams in the season, we're still trying to figure uh, our team out and everything. So, didn't look as well as as good when we were in Tacoma, as uh, Santi mentioned uh, was the game we lost five one uh not fun to look at we did give away a early penalty heber got an early card uh in like the 15th or 16th minute and then we gave a penalty in uh 20 something 20 somewhere in there i don't have this th- it's what happens when i try to be precise and then i'm like i'm not really looking at any numbers right now but something like that i mean we got him at home I, i'm feeling pretty confident i don't know i don't know how you guys are or if you guys want to give a prediction cool with a score prediction Stu.
3: Uh, I'm going to say this one's going to be a lot of scoring. I'll go
2: 3-2,
3: two,
2: City 2. Santi? I'm going with City winning 2-1. Matt? You can't predict a loss. <laughs>
0: no, you
1: can't. <laughs> I think this one's going to PKs 2-2. Two, two. PKs, wow. We're
2: going to be there until midnight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven 7.30 kickoff on a Sunday night, and I, I just have, uh, have this feeling it's going to be a fun weekend. You know, I've got my kid's birthday party this weekend, so I'm going to enjoy it uh, up until the 1030, 11 o'clock at night on Sunday night where we're still out in Edwardsville. Well, after that, uh, you know, we're going to go through we're going to go through 30 minutes of extra time. We're going to go to PKs. And I don't know. I got a feeling if you guys remember, um, Stu, you were there with Phil and I in preseason against Missouri State. <laughs> what were there? 20, 30 rounds of PKs? Uh oh. 20 rounds Oh no. Yeah. I think I think it's gonna end 2 2, and I think we're gonna win eight to seven on PKs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gotta write this down because this is a
2: <laughs> very specific prediction here. This is one of Are the we gonna points. see the goalkeepers kicking? Case. I don't think
1: it's going to come to that eight,
0: point. Not if it's eight to seven.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's going to get that bad. Um, obviously I have all the data and science to back, back this up. <laughs> it's all there I, on Matt's stat sheet. I believe it. Honestly, if,
0: after right, I mean, getting it, a look at any of Matt's like breakdowns of the podcast we do, like he's got his stats in there and <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll put money on that.
1: <laughs> I, okay. Now, now the question, the question is if we did go to keepers, who would it be? Uh, so, I'll throw my own prediction out because I, I like predicting this and it's fun. We're having a good time. We just won a playoff match. We're getting to go to a conference final. Who do you think is going to start in net? Oof.
0: Was was I'm there gonna... something official about Berkey and Klaus not playing playoffs? Is that an official thing? I think I heard one of you guys say it. I just...
2: Yeah, like like not official. Like not nothing like the the club put a statement out there. But yeah, like um uh, in one of the media availabilities said, uh, yeah, they are not in the playoffs but
1: now, did he say those two or did he say internationals klaus being injured i could definitely see you're not going right. to worry that to my knowledge berkey hasn't picked up a knock but but i don't know he might and,
2: have. yeah and, and he has been training um mad not now i'm not sure if he was like referring like to the group as like to the overall group or from what i remember i think it was like specifically berkey and klaus mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Uh, so maybe that's where your prediction is going. I was gonna no. go I was gonna go with uh Craig since he has been starting the last few games and um Ian hasn't started lately. Uh, but tell us about your prediction.
0: Yeah, I guess we haven't done my prediction. Uh you just asked for keepers. I'm going real bold. I'm feeling real confident. I'm going three oh win us. Wow. I think we're gonna get Ooh. I think we're gonna score early. And I think we're going to get our second and kind of just beat them down. I know they came back last time, but they also played 120 minutes and then went to PKs. So I think they come here and they go down to 2-0 again. They're not going to be able to come back and then we'll get another one. But also I, per the, per Matt's PKs and keepers taking PKs. Uh, obviously I, I want Berkey uh, also with how efficient they are on shooting. Like let's get our best guy in there. But I completely understand if, if like, this is a, a, a big moment for, our city two keepers Berkey's going to be playing in mls so like let them have it let them have postseason i completely get that so i would say creek probably starts goal
2: yeah and that's what hackard alluded um when he was talking about using the international guys he was like like part of development is playing these big games so um that's why i think creek will be on goal but i think matt thinks uh or why you think Berkey? no I, I think it's gonna be creek but um not
1: just because he has the hot hand but because he has the he's he's probably the most informed. i can't see at this point he started the last six seven games he did start the north texas match that we lost three to one but obviously that wasn't enough to pull him for mcgrain and the last two the last two matches have just been too good to to pull him and uh I think you start a keeper in the playoffs and as long as you keep winning, which you're going to stay in the playoffs as long as you keep winning, you stick with that keeper. so I think, I think Creek's going to go, but man, Jake and Stu are trying to dethrone me on the whole like King of positivity thing over here. (laughs) And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely loving the, uh, the, the clean sheet, uh, multi goal victory. (laughs) I'm on that hype train.
0: I mean, usually when I do like predictions or anything, I'm I'm pretty hype. I get real optimistic and then it's a, sometimes it's a big fall back down to reality, but Hey, I'll go big. I'll be hopeful now
1: while I can, you know, I do. I do want to see an Akil Watts goal from outside the 18. Those are so nice to see. I mean, he's due for one. He's at, at a few points this year. He's been uh second or third in the league in goals outside the 18. And it's been a few games. I think we're due. Is uh is everyone going to be there on Sunday?
0: Sunday, 7.30?
2: I'll be there. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. Hopefully. Well, um, the caveat is that I'll be out of town. So I'm flying in the morning, like early in the morning. So hopefully um, the flight, even if it gets delayed, I should make it. But you never know. We'll see. Might have to go straight from uh, Lambert over to Edwardsville if it gets delayed by a lot yeah it may end up being that way but it's an early morning flight so hopefully even if it gets delayed a little bit i will still have time to go home and and relax a little bit uh, in the afternoon and then go to the game
1: the late game sounds like it'll be pretty conducive to you
2: yeah i was happy about sunday and about been a late game because I knew I was going to be out of town so um, that works for me I know it doesn't work for a lot of people um, but it plays to my advantage for sure I'm, I'm
0: contemplating I shouldn't even put this out there but I'm contemplating bringing Margo and just sitting on the other side I mean, it's not as fun it's not as fun like not sitting with everybody but if, oh the world
1: just went wild if people will shut up <laughs> about where's Margo <laughs> <laughs> My favorite's all like, uh, asking, asking how you're doing and everything. And it's like, okay, but seriously, like,
0: <laughs> okay. Two weeks ago, my wife came with me for her first game and I'm walking up, we're walking up the, uh, this, the steps. And I just see here, Jake, what the hell? And I'm like, I just look back at my wife and like, I brought my wife I'm like, okay, where's Margo? And this wasn't you guys. This is no one flyover. Maybe from another uh podcast over there, people are yelling it, at me. But it was loots, wasn't it? it was. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I shouldn't host because now it's just all about Margo. I'm sorry, guys. This is my fault.
1: On that note, I think we're gonna get out of here. So while you're listening to this one, uh check out Phil Phil's interviews this week with uh, Charles Alchek from MLS Next Pro and with uh, Patrick Schulte, goalkeeper of crew two. So plenty of uh, flyover footy for you to listen to before we uh, head over to play the Tacoma Defiance. Uh, Sunday night,
0: 7.30, Rough Courty Stadium. You know Stu's face now, so look out for him. You know Matt Baker. You know Santiago. And you know Margo. So see you guys Sunday. See ya.
2: See you guys.